Hey everybody, it's Brian. Uh, coming to you at the top of the episode to kind of explain to you what you're going to be hearing in the next hour or so. This is uh, this is not a normal episode, as you've no doubt gathered from the fact that I'm talking to you right now. Uh, we're going to be getting into all of the many Comic-Con interviews that uh, that we did over the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, though, I want to, uh, to, to pack together some of these shorter ones. Um, just quick interviews that we did for, for various reasons, you know, uh, people not having time, um, you know, in the case of, uh, well, like in the case of Jeff Lemire, for example, he was launching like 17 new X-Men books at the show, so he was very busy, or, uh, you know, there's there's Jeffrey Brown, who actually just um, was, was had had about an hour to kill, uh, and was just sort of walking, wandering through the halls, looking at stuff at Comic Con, and I ran into Jeffrey Brown. So we we sat down and, and talked about uh, about his Star Wars books for a little while. So uh, bundling a couple of those together, I I I, I hope you enjoy. Uh, all all quick, but all fun. Going to start off with a a quick interview that we did with Kate Beaton about her new kids book. an official piece of merchandise it, it's a prototype okay it's not the right color <laughs> and it's a little squish but you can tell that people have been handling it. it's got like fingerprint like child fingerprints on mm-hmm. it so i was testing it with kids and they were like give that to me that's a good, it's a good, it's a good sign <laughs> yeah whenever i am holding it i was i was in my studio the other day i was holding it and i was asking if somebody had left already to someone else at another part of it mm. and i was like is there a car parked outside and she was like yeah but what is that? Can I hold it? So you know that <laughs> you know that it makes a good impression anyway. That's such a, are you you're actually you're actually like workshopping the this 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 stuffed animal? Kind of. What is the yeah. horse's name again? I I just saw the book. The, it's just a pony. The, just the pony. Just a pony. Just the big. It doesn't have a name. Ovular pony. Yeah, yeah. And you're 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 going around. You're showing the stuff. This is so weird. Merchandising. This is like a new. This is like a new world for oh, you. Oh well, I, this is just fun. So okay. I like I I wanted to take it with me. I didn't have it here earlier today, but um. Oh. Uh, but yeah, you see, it's like it looks more like a pig. It's pink instead of <laughs> instead of like brownie yellow, golden golden yellow. Have you have you taken the book out into the world? I mean, have you gone around and 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 read it and read it to kids? I have not read it to kids. I'm a bit nervous about that. I, I'm gonna have to do it at some point, but um. But they're the they're the uh, the ultimate test, right? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have seen kids with it and and enjoying it because the pony farts in it. Uh huh. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. It does, it's it's on the, the back. Part. I noticed that. I was I yeah. was worried about. I mean, you're you're over there. They're laughing about this because mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys had a lot of uh, boardroom conversations about this. But you know, I, I was I read this last night and I was worried about spoiling it. And then I noticed that there's a quote on the back where. It mentions what happens. Oh yeah, no, there's a couple of farts in there. So. Yeah, but um, that's 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 the golden ticket <laughs> for for making kids laugh. So, uh, so it's in there. You were just kind of hedging your bets a little bit, you know, just in case the rest of it didn't. Yeah, maybe you're like that's what ace up my sleeve. In case yeah, they hate the story, but they love the farts. What do do you have any do you have any small children in your life that you? Were able we, to read this too, or, or sort of like workshop it with? I didn't have any nearby. <laughs> you didn't have any handy that small like, children? It was like you see kids everywhere and you're not like, can I read a story? You can't drop children on the street, Kate. No, and, and my um, my relatives' kids who are who are near, they're like a little bit too old. Uh, 
in, in like beyond picture books where you're like here's my book and they're like that's for babies <laughs> and i'm nine <laughs> like i don't want to hear it um and and they want to read beginner chapter books or something but uh uh so no i didn't i didn't get to test it out on kids but then um uh i my cousin is a school teacher and she brought it into mm. her classroom mm-hmm. and read it to her kids and they were all seven and they thought it was great so i that that is that's good for me they they um they really enjoyed it what what point was it what, what was it at when she actually took it out into the world was it finished yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you you yeah. you finished the book. And, <laughs> we finished the book. Yeah. Yeah. It was a relief because this is a new. This is a totally new experience for you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, you should have probably test driven it on some actual children. <laughs> but I just uh, I don't know. I didn't. I it, all my friends in Toronto either have little babies, yeah. or uh, or they've moved away with their families. Yeah. So that's good though. Yeah. This will be there. This yeah. will be around in their houses. Yeah. Yeah. By yeah. The time and I have a nephew, but he's nine months old. So he doesn't care <laughs> books either. What, was this something? Was this something you had been wanting to do? Did Scholastic approach you? How did the book actually happen? Yeah, Scholastic approached okay. me. And uh, were you? Did you ever have this in the back of your head, working on a kids' book? Um, I think it's like not specifically. Yeah. Um, I I put out the book Hark a Vagrant in 2011, and then I was kind of eager to do something different because I was a little bit burnt out on comics mm-hmm. and this came along and it was the perfect thing. So, um, so I jumped at it and, uh, um, I said I would come back to them with, with ideas. So I did, I came back with several different ideas written down in a couple of dummies and this was the one that stood out. Oh, can we talk about the other ideas? Uh, no, cause they might be turned into a book okay. someday. You never know. All right. They weren't bad. They were just like, this one was like the other, and, and like, I was hoping you'd have, have a always... really bad idea that you're floating. Oh, probably. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the, uh, um, the pony was always like something that kids liked anyway mm-hmm. at, at, uh, at Mocha, the New York comic show, there was always a girl, a little girl named Trixie. Her parents would bring her in one day, one time she, she was little and she had cross-stitched the pony and like my comics aren't for kids, but, um, but to see a kid like gravitate towards it, mm-hmm. I, I was like, that's really nice. That's, you know, let's shelve that for later. Um, uh, and that was before the the book deal ever happened. So I I knew that the, that it had a possible home there. So so wait so where did the where did the pony come from originally? It it, ha, it, ha, it has a life before the book. Mm. Oh yeah, I've been making comics about it since two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. I think just just really silly drawings that, and and it, I also knew it had a powerful presence because there's not that many comics about it and it doesn't do anything in any <laughs> comics it just it just sort of is there and oozes this presence that either like fixes a problem or unnerves people or makes mm-hmm. a joke happen or it, it poops um and um uh and when i sign books to people i'm like what would you like a picture of like i usually do a sketch um i've drawn so many ponies it's not i was like wow this, this and they're just like i just love it <laughs> and uh it's funny you never know what what is really going to resonate over time mm-hmm. when you're just drawing like doodly comics so i mean you know the, the the pony didn't really have a personality as such or it just sort of existed to it was mm. a means to an end yeah and it does in the book and it doesn't yeah it's like <laughs> it's also i guess it is kind of a means to an end you know there's a yeah protagonist with her own problem and mm-hmm. the pony 
kind of works her through it in its own weird way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't say anything. Yeah. Um, it doesn't like, um, it doesn't really uh, uh, actively do anything. <laughs> she tries to train it, and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> she's like well you suck so um i mean at being like a warrior horse and but you know we're gonna we're gonna try anyway but it's it's uh um uh it's good at being a companion it's it's there with her and it's unafraid and and that's uh uh it's got like like you know the 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 horse qualities of like loyalty and 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 friendship and that kind of thing going for it it's it's also a good vessel to kind of have her again work through almost work through her issues on her own right yeah yeah she bounces it's not around the it a day lot. necessarily yeah yeah, yeah. and then they, they kind of come together to save the day um yeah. and uh yeah it's a weird way, <laughs> way. <laughs> it's an unconventional story <laughs> um how many drafts did you end up going through on this thing how how difficult is it actually because i know that's that's i you know you hear this all the time how how deceptively simple children's books are oh yeah a lot a lot of drafts um the first one was accepted and it was good but it didn't have a clear arc Hmm. like the motivations for characters and everything didn't Hmm. make as much sense as they could have and then in trying to fix that i rewrote the whole thing and it was a totally different story and it was not as good of a story and then I tried to work on that for a while and I rewrote that a few times and then we wrote it back. We kind of like brought it back eventually to, to the beginning with those problems fixed, but you had to work your way around this whole like like maze of of hmm. different iterations. And sometimes like, you know, there were there's some panels that there's some pages that stayed um basically the same throughout the whole the whole thing. And uh and there's some that just have varied very differently. So I don't know how many how many versions of it there have been? What was what was the difficulty? Was it you know? Is it because you've most most of your work has been you know three panels self contained, and this was something a little bit longer, or was it jamming it into? It's all getting it. There's a lot of story happening there, yeah. and you have to have like like the the problem and the the climax and the resolution, and you have to have a, like a clear personality, uh, and and um. Uh, the characters to be likable, and uh, um, the the whole thing has to wrap up in a in a good way, and um, uh, it's a tight squeeze. Yeah, a lot of the time, and and some some versions of it, they were just too like it seemed too packed. There was no room to breathe, and uh, in this like I don't know, it's um they they say it's harder than it looks because it is. It just is. <laughs> I mean, I would think that you'd be good at this point in, in working in, a, in in tight squeezes again, because you know you're doing three three panel comics. Um, yeah, well, I mean, if it was a three panel comic, I would have been able to do it really easily. <laughs> that, but but then forty pages is a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's it's like it's too little to be the the bigger story that you tend once yeah. you once you like open the gates and you're like, all right, story, and all the horses go out horses. Um. Then uh, uh, you know you're 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 writing this enormous thing, and you gotta you gotta peel it back and like yeah. and like nip all the little the little things that don't matter off, even if they're the things you like, and um, so that the the story itself survives and makes sense and is still good. It's kind of the perfect length to be completely infuriating to you because it's not long enough to really right. play out the story, but it's not that. Right, 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 and and it's so like like bound in. I feel like if I was writing a short story, I'd be like, "Well, I'll just add this extra paragraph on." There's no room in there. You yeah. have you have to have the 
the page specs and all that stuff. Are you? I mean, now that now that you've I, this is almost like a like a waypoint potentially, I guess, to, to writing a, a longer story now, right? I suppose, um, to, or to you know, to doing because I you know people have been asking you to do long form comics forever. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, if I did a longer form comic, I mean, I think about it all the time, but usually they're not funny. My longer form mm-hmm. comics. That's not um, necessarily a bad thing. No, no, they're always like like introspective, like stories about like the death of the rural community. Oh, it's not <laughs> like they. It's not like like it's not like they're not like hilarious. It's like they're just not funny at all. They're just no. They're, well, like they can be because they they involve real people, but yeah. it's also it's all very like East Coast Canadian literature where everyone is like they look out to the sea and they're like the sea is eating my life. And <laughs> well, that's you know because I, I I was uh, I was listening to an interview you were doing on the way here, and you talked about the possibility of doing something about working in the oil fields. Yeah, which yeah. also seems like you know I'm picturing they will be blood with a Canadian accent. Yeah, but and and it's very um it's very similar to that because it's all East Coast yeah um, displaced fishermen and miners and everything that started working out that the, making the, the the big bulk of of um of the mining community in Fort McMurray. I mean, the, the people come there from everywhere, but there's a lot of Atlantic Canadians. Uh, and, and yeah, I was there for two years and, um, there's, there's funny stuff in there and that humanity in it's like kind of bleakest places is kind of funny, but then yeah. it's not like knee slapper. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, my, my understanding of, of, of people working on oil pipelines is there's a lot of steam to be blown off as well. So there's probably no. at the, at the very least there's probably some shenanigans happening up there i would imagine yeah 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 definitely they're, they're like um uh it, it would get very silly sometimes if that's what you mean yeah 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 yeah, yeah i mean the, th- the, the thing that would concern me about doing uh, you know a book like that uh, you know f- to, to actually take something on like that is it's it, it's hard not to be in that headspace the entire time and especially if you're mm. working on a really long project and it's a really bleak project yeah yeah that's a danger i mean i tried it out i i i, mm. I wrote a few stories about working up there already to see how i could handle yeah. it and um and they're they're kind of crude but they did the job so pe- and and people responded well to them that's a good sign for me There you go. That was Kate Beaton. You can pick up uh, her new kids' book, *The Princess and the Pony* from Scholastic. It's about a, it's about a very round pony that farts a lot. There's, you know, it's 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 fun for all ages. Thanks, thanks so much to Scholastic for setting that up, and and thanks to Kate for taking the time to do that. Coming up next, uh, as I mentioned at the top, is an interview with Jeffrey Brown. Uh, I guess going from uh, by one one kind of transformed children's book author to to another. Uh, it had been. I don't know how many years it had been since I'd last uh, last interviewed Jeffrey. It was definitely for the Daily Crosshatch, my old website. So probably like four or five, at least, at least that many. And his his career has uh, is is very much transformed since those days. You know, he's doing a lot of autobiographical comics. Um, slowly started edging in that direction. Did the uh, incredible Change Bots and and has for for the past uh several years been a very successful author of of star wars books for 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 children and the whole family so uh check it out the always great jeffrey brown you're on star wars book number seven book seven yeah that's crazy did you just i assume that you just you were contracted for one early on they wanted to see how it went 
Yeah, so I mean, the at first it was just for Darth Vader and Son. Yeah. And what happened was Scholastic came to Lucasfilm uh, asking about doing a middle grade Star Wars book. My editor at Lucasfilm suggested me, so that's how I did the first Jedi Academy. And at first it was just, they were just one-offs. Yeah. Um, but the response to Darth Vader and Son was good, so they they signed to do Vader's Little Princess right away. And then Disney bought Lucasfilm, and there was a pause where yeah. they weren't sure um, if we do more. It's um, kind of ironic because you know you would think that like if anything, Di- Disney buying them would open them up to some yeah. of this. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with just the new movie, and yeah. and so they were holding off to know what what their publishing like strategy would be, and whether so. Basically, like almost everything that's coming out this year, or at least the second half of this year, yeah. is all Force Awakens, and that makes sense. it's all very specific yeah. set of books and things. So, um, but there's so there's like a slight pause where we weren't sure. But the first after the first Jedi Academy came out, we knew we wanted like we could do, and I kind of set it up that I could do three books, yeah. and and then I had. Um, after Vader's Little Princess, I had the idea of doing like a, a bedtime book, and so eventually, like Disney or Lucasfilm came back and were like, "Yeah, we can, you can do yeah. some more." And so I signed on to do the other two Jedi Academy, and then Good Night Darth Vader, and then um, at first they said no to the the Darth Vader and Friends pitch, which was slightly different when I first um, sent it, but then. Um, then they said yes to that one too. So well, it's 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 crazy because I, I I feel like I don't think I've seen you for at least like five years at this point, and that's partially been you know me like I haven't really really been around. But in that time, all of a sudden, you have a, a completely different career. You know you you know you you had you were successful, but you were successful in this in this circle that like I kind of exist in yeah. right now, right? The the indie comic circle, and now. I just walk into any books bookstore in the country, and there and there you are. Yeah, I mean, it's on the on the one hand, it feels very seamless. I mean, I f- yeah. I feel like the Star Wars stuff still comes from a very personal place. The Jedi Academy is basically like my middle school experiences, like set in yeah. a different universe, and Darth Vader and Son is my experiences as a parent. Yeah, and so. It does seem very connected, but yeah, it's such the Star Wars have such a different world, and it's such a different audience. I mean, there's some crossover, but it's you know, it's just it's a very different thing, and it's it's kind of surreal um, having come from like this yeah this indie background where you're scratching out you know your your space to put out your little mini comics and things. It's it's and it's I mean the success has to feel different and I don't know if it's it's tempered at all by the fact that you know you're you're working with somebody else's characters. Yeah, I mean I think that's uh that's part of it is I mean but it's one of the advantages to be mm. to doing that is is you you can do a lot more with the books without having to set things up yeah. as much as you yeah. would if you were just creating new characters. Sure. Um and, but yeah, the downside is you know you you kind of have this awareness that that you're you're building on someone else's work essentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean it 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 is tempered a little, but it's also you know it's it's set up other opportunities for me outside of Star Wars and and um, you know I think the I do feel like I've 
I've managed to, you know, like put my own stamp on the characters. Well, yeah, you know, and and especially, you know, when I when I think about Star Wars when I was growing up and how tightly Lucas controlled it, it you know, it, it, I, I, I couldn't imagine something like this existing where, you know, the artwork is very much yours and like you said, it's you're not just writing a Star Wars comic, it's it's your spin on it. It's, you know, it's it's kind of surprising. Were you surprised when you first started the project how much freedom you were given? Um, I mean, yes and no. I, I think, for one thing, the the editor that I ended up working with, um, J.W. Rinsler, has he has an art background, um, and he's a parent. Uh, we just were on the same page from the beginning, and mm. so he kind of like he he got it. He understood, yeah. and he he got to be and, and I think the other. On. And I think the other, I think in general, like the people at okay. Lucasfilm, like, yeah. like got it. And um, I think part of what helped is that I, I was approaching it from a, from a perspective of, of not, not just a fan, but someone who, you know, was, I was making those comics coming from the same place that maybe Lucas was coming from from making oh, the movies. Yeah. You know, so... Like, that that's sort of that like, move from, like, American you know, Graffiti to Star Wars. Well, well, that, too. That's a yeah. secret but But, I mean, like, the idea of, like, making something that, you know, isn't... is fun, and there's a certain... Uh, there's a certain kind of feeling behind it that's... that's um, fun and hopeful yeah. and sweet, but humorous yeah. and... I don't know. So I, f- I feel like the, you know, because I was, I was hitting those same notes in a in a different way, um, that, that was easier for them to to give that kind of leeway to me, like. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 interesting. It's it's sort of you know you 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 think of these as being these like hugely epic things, and you're given the opportunity to almost like focus on on, on the minutia of this world. Right, right, yeah, and I think the fact that you know it is such a different format, yeah, that there's not that concern of you know having it fit in with the rest of their their universe. Whereas, I think it's harder when, um, you know, if someone's trying to make a humorous comic, but you yeah. know, set it set it in that universe, like where it's happening at you know, like like it's happening during the same sequence of events as this movie but sure. you just aren't seeing it on screen you know it's it's harder to to get that to fit in because it's it need it does need to fit in in a different way whereas um you know having this kind of alternate universe okay. version of it so there's no is, it's such so, so, so a silly question but there's no there's no sense of like canon or anything yeah. you have to adhere to at all yeah i mean i i those books, I guess, are, are essentially not not canon. Yeah, I don't know if Jedi Academy is considered canon or not, but you should figure that out. But, That's uh, important. <laughs> I mean, well, for me, I, I think like when you start to worry about that too much, yeah, I think you either it either needs to either needs to to be that or not be that. Yeah, and it's okay for it to not be that. And I think what maybe what becomes problematic is when people want to like like work in the same circles as the canon stuff. Yeah. But also do But they own. also want to have yeah. their their own footprint on it in a way that yeah. you know takes it out of canon and really they'd be better off just, you know, just making it completely their own thing. But there been but nobody I mean, you know, obviously you you, you 
you had an you had an editor and uh, but at, at no point in the process did anybody say this is not something Luke Skywalker would do. No, I know. Okay. I mean, I think I think like it. Yeah, it just goes back to like everyone kind of got the concept. Yeah, you know, the concept so so straightforward that it it uh it kind of skips over those questions. Yeah. Whereas whereas if if you're trying to incorporate it more, like if you were trying to ha- like have an actual humorous comic that's sure theoretically the the yeah. actual like an actual story of Luke Skywalker's life, like it, you know, I like then that's when people are going to really start to question it. But I think it's like, but there is yeah. but there is this sort of this abstract sense of like who 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 Darth Vader is. Uh-huh. Maybe it's a different Darth Vader in your and your. I mean, obviously it's a different Darth Vader in your comic, but. Um, there are certain, um, you know, just certain traits. I, I, I imagine that, you know, some. I mean, what? I, I guess the question is, you know, what? What defines your Darth Vader and your Luke Skywalker, and how does that relate to these broader ideas? Well, I, I mean, I think it's it's. I guess it's pushing against that. Yeah that yeah. traditional vision of Vader and, and kind of twisting it and um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I think I, uh, I mean it's when I when I was setting out to do the books I didn't want it to make it parody I didn't want to yeah. have it be someone else I didn't want to have to change the dialogue. I, I didn't want to have to use different scenes. Like I wanted to use yeah. the actual characters and the actual scenes in the movie, and and I think that's what makes it work so well is that is using that that actual raw material. And um, I think, I mean, maybe it's because everyone who's a fan knows those things so well. That's how that's how you yeah. you get past that. Like it's, you have, question. They, they have the shorthand yeah. already. You don't. Yeah. Even, you don't have to spend any time yeah, explaining so I don't, who these yeah, people I don't, are. I don't need to explain that. Yeah. Like, like Darth Vader isn't evil in quite the same way. Sure. But, but then at the same time, like they're seeing Darth Vader, and their concept of Darth Vader is like he's the evil Dark Lord. Yeah. So even though what they're seeing is is different, it doesn't. It doesn't. So it doesn't actually mesh entirely with their vision of, of who that character is, and that's where that humor comes from. Is that that they're like everything they've known about him is this one thing, and then they're seeing it like him do something totally opposite, and and so that's you know it's it's kind of like I guess it's using using that that vast background yeah. material. George to, Lucas did all the heavy yeah. lifting for you. Yeah. 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 Well, he did. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess in every single in way. Um, what, <clears throat> did the, the Change Bots books, in, in some ways, it's sort of similar, right? I mean, obviously, you weren't working with the actual IP, but you were working with these, this, um, you know, the, 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 this just sort of, this sort of like idea, this property, this um, this thing from people's childhood. Was that was the was the approach to that book similar at all to the Star Wars stuff? Um, that's pretty different. Yeah, I think, I I think for that one, I I, I mean, I didn't I didn't want to use the real characters. I wanted okay. to like really mess around with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So the 
even though Big Rig is kind of the parallel to Optimus Prime, yeah. like their personalities are like vastly different. Like Big Rig isn't nearly as heroic, and yeah. in general, like the the awesome bots who are supposed to be the kind of the good guys are not not nearly as heroic as the Autobots yeah. are in Transformers, and and same thing with like the bad guys aren't really as bad, and and um, and so it's more. Um, one, it was just a way, way for me to just have a bunch of different jokes that yeah. you know, I wouldn't necessarily need to have shape-changing robots to, to have those jokes. But um, but because I you know I enjoyed sure. the Transformers cartoons and the the and you wanted the to general, draw robots over and over again. Yeah, it's like yeah. it was just fun to do and yeah. and just the the idea of like drawing this super clunky style for the Transformers who, especially like if you look at the the new movies like how slick and and yeah. detailed and all that like yeah. the idea of you know having something i guess so in that way it is similar to to Vader and Sunday in some way where it's like you're like everyone's vision of these robots is like these like fantastic highly detailed yeah. things and and then like here's these like clunky boxes that you know don't actually Mechanic wouldn't actually mechanically work in any sense. It's it's funny, you know. This is just occurring to me as 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 we're talking about this. But you know, you do you do the big head stuff, you do the the change bots, and it's interesting to watch because you know, in a sense, those are all sort of similar. Where you're you're you know you're you're again taking these like big archetypes and and making them your own. But um, I feel like <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it, but I'm wondering like how much having kids has changed you know your approach to these characters and your approach to comedy it, you know it's, it seems I, to have softened it a little bit yeah it probably has softened yeah a little bit and um although i you know i maybe it's it's having kids and getting older and maybe it's you know also a case of just having explored certain things yeah. and then ready to move on to something else yeah. and and um i mean i and you know when I was growing up, I, I one of the things I wanted to do was make books for kids. So, um, I think having kids makes that easier yeah. or or more of like a immediate goal. But um, are, are they? How at what point do they get to see the book? At, at what point? At what point do they actually get to see what you've been working on? I mean, well, they've seen all the Star Wars stuff. Well, I mean, but, I mean, or, you know, it's or, you know, in in a or, way, if you're kind of oh, making it for them, oh, like. Like when no, they they see it at the end because okay. it's, it's it's not like well our two year old you like, maybe don't you know, want feedback from a two year old well well it's more <laughs> it's more a question of like when he uh, yeah when he sees me working and then he wants to draw too yeah, and yeah, then he yeah, wants yeah. to draw, draw on, on yeah. so I've got to like no no let me get out, yeah. let me get my good pens out of the way and let me get out some you know get let me get your markers and your crayons it's let me get the let me get this drawing that I just spent. You know, three hours on. I feel. Of, I feel like the, the the danger zone. The you know the inclination to move towards family circus territory is pretty strong. So watch out for that. Well, there is Je- him. family circus is Jeffy. That's yeah. Mime Jeff. So yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. There's clear parallel there. Um, you know, talking talk, talking about moving on. You know, we we spoke about this a little bit before. Um, and and you're, you you you've been working on a project, another project for a little while. Um, is it? Is it? Is it just? Is it a break from the Star Wars stuff? Because obviously, this has been your life for a few years now. Um, are you done with the Star Wars stuff? I mean, um, 
I I wouldn't say I'm done. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm still doing like some illustration things yeah. here and there. Um, I just I don't have any full book projects lined up, mm-hmm. and I probably won't line up to do anything yeah. in the immediate future. But I think for me, part of it is just I I've mined so much of the material, the original trilogy. Yeah. That. Um, maybe I. I need a break if sure. I'm going to do Before something because I, I need to do like if I'm going to do something with the prequels I need yeah. there to be like some kind of break and figure out sure. what that is because I I don't I think those the books were in a way in danger of becoming more and more formulaic yeah and um I maybe it's not apparent reading them but for me like there there's a sense like if I if I were to do another book it wouldn't feel the same to me doing it, yeah. and I and I want to make sure that it, when I'm when I'm making work, I have that certain feeling like this is a this is a project that I I'm pouring my heart into, yeah. and so with like change bots, it's I, I do it because I like I grew up with that stuff and I'm I'm enjoying it. And I'm having fun. I'm the autobiographical work I've done. It's more than anything else I've done. Like you know, it's from. My my personal experiences and feelings, and the That's Star so Wars. So interesting, versus because yeah. you were literally doing memoir for a long time, and that was your most personal work. <laughs> what? Wait. <laughs> you you know you were right. You were literally like writing yeah. stories about yourself, and then you you, you you. Well, no, I mean, I think I think, but I mean, I think the Star Wars work is is yeah. as personal. Yeah. In a way. Okay. You know, like those other works. But, like, but when you're saying you're pouring your heart out into the change bot things, you know, specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting to hear that. Because, you know, it's like the, the, it's clear, the connection is clear when you're actually writing about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I think it, you can see it in Darth Vader and Son yeah. where it's like, it's like four-year-old Luke was based on my four-year-old, my son yeah. who was four at the time. You know, um, with change bots, there's certain feelings like or situations that I would kind of like reconfigure in into that book and yeah. and you know it's just a question of how how hidden you know the direct correlation to my actual life is but but I mean it's I think as an as an artist like I want to be doing work that is creatively challenging yeah and then and then it is also like feels fresh and yeah, and just feels like like it it is coming from somewhere personal, and and I think like the danger is with if I were to do another Star Wars thing in the like right now, yeah, it would feel like I'm just doing something to you know sure. as a job to make yeah. to make some money or something yeah. as opposed not, to like not a bad job and, as far as and I think but I think part of the reason like those Star Wars books are successful is because they were never like that. Yeah. Like they none of those books were like that for me. And so I want to make sure that when I when I'm doing work like that that it is like it's going to be the best work it can be because like it's it's me wanting to do it. So But 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 here's here's what could be really interesting though is if you are Darth Vader in those books and you know your kid is Luke Skywalker and you do work on a prequel trilogy, then those <laughs> books are about you as a, as a kid. Yeah. Huh? There, there, maybe that's my, that right that's my entry point. Well, yeah. 
Well, what I'm actually more interested in is, is when the Force Awakens comes out. Yeah. Then I can I can do the old people Feature. book. Yeah. Yeah. Like the you know, the elderly. Yeah. Grandparents. Yeah. And yeah. Everything. So, explore that. Um, are, do you? I mean, you know, we're we're, we're here at Comic Con, and you're and you're here, ostensibly for those those books. Are do you? I don't. Is, is your is your connection to the Raiders is is it the same? I mean, in terms of like, again, when when um, you go to like a show like Mocha and you're you're doing those the sorts of stuff that you're doing for Top Shelf, you know, it seems like uh, the interactions you would have with people would be pretty personal, you know, and they assume that they know you like all that stuff that comes with memoir. Um, you know, being being a part of, you know, a working on the Star Wars stuff and b like in a sense kind of just being a, a larger part of the the Star Wars world is. Is that connection at all the same as your interaction? I show. Well, like, there. The same? I mean, there's. I guess with the with the Jedi Academy, it's it's a lot different because it's mostly kids, yeah. and they're connecting with the work in a different way. And maybe and sometimes there is like some really personal stuff where like, like, I mean, I'm some of those stories are were my, were my actual experiences. Like I like I actually had like a joke played on me where someone put a hot pepper on my sandwich and. And that's a scene that's in Jedi Academy. So, like, you went to so school like, in a cartoon. Yeah, and I. So, some like kids will like have these really personal connections to things that happen in the book, and you know, especially with like themes of bullying yeah. and like themes of like screwing up and and working hard or different feelings of like how friendships can come and go yeah. in ways that you don't know why they do that. Um, so I. I mean, I think the reactions for that book are are pretty different. And then with the, with the Vader series, there's there's two different kinds of reactions. One is just like I, I love Star Wars; these books are really funny. Sure. But there's all, there is also a really personal connection with those books, especially with the aspect of parenting. And I hear from a lot of parents like me who grew up with Star Wars and now have kids, and like this is a way for them to like have a certain kind of connection with their kids yeah and then also um people who grew up with star wars and whose parents grew up like introduced them to star wars and it's a way for them it's been a way for them to reconnect with their with their parents yeah um and so like and those are that's that's a like a really powerful thing to to hear from people like that you know like i and i think that's why like I go back to that that need having that need for it to be something that's coming like like from somewhere inside of me yeah. to make those books successful is because I I think if when it when it gets reduced to just you know the surface of it like like it's just it's a it's Star Wars and it's a joke yeah then you're losing that that other kind of connection and you're it's just not as satisfying. Like in and those you, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't get to that point at all with the um, with any of the Darth Vader books, where you felt like you were just kind of in that loop of it being your job. I, I felt like I was headed that to okay. that point, yeah. and and so that's what that's why like yeah. I need need to take a break and reassess and 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 be careful about what I'm doing with it, so that it so that I avoid that. I guess. Have, have you have you psychoanalyzed? The fact that you made yourself Darth Vader and what that says about you? Not not at all. Okay. No. <laughs> so 
totally avoided you don't that. Find it troubling. Totally avoided that question. <laughs> okay. And like, also the other, you know, the other question I have to avoid is the mom question. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, mom's clearly not around in those yeah. books, but where yeah. is she? Yeah, can't can't really address that in in keep the the right tone of the book. So yeah, yeah. Well, your wife at least must get some good jokes out of it. Yeah, yeah. out of you being Darth Vader. Yeah. yeah. This is this is sort of this uh, this this theme that I was I was running into at uh, at, at Comic Con this year. So I, I went I went for my day job. They're uh, mostly focused on on more mainstream books. I was a little bit worried. I, I booked I booked a little bit late. Actually, I booked extremely late. I got I got my press pass uh, about a week before the uh, the the show. So I was kind of scrambling last minute to get a hotel and everything else, and didn't have any interviews. At all lined up, and I was sort of worried that you know all, all of my connections and comics are kind of through the indie world. So I was I was a bit concerned that I wouldn't find anybody that really sort of fit within my my the the, the wheelhouse of my day job. And as it so happened, you know, I I, I ran into uh, to to Jeffrey, and we were able to to, to talk about Star Wars, um, and uh, and you know, I was over at the. Uh, over at the top shelf booth, and and lo and behold, Jeff Lemire has uh, is is now writing the the flagship X Men comic. So a uh, very very interesting conversation with him about making that that transition from uh, from indie comics to superhero comics, and um, how he's able to kind of balance between the two worlds. You might have the most unique show schedule of anybody here. Like, I don't know. You know, I've been I've been following your stuff obviously since the Essex County days, and you've such a fascinating career. Like, who who else who else straddles superhero and independent like that? I mean, it's it's yeah, it's it is kind of a unique career, I guess. Yeah, I, I, not one I planned for sure. You know, I started off doing Essex County and things like that, um, and I thought you know my drawing style, and my my interests, and the kind of comics I liked yeah. would never be anything that Marvel or DC would be interested in and I yeah. always loved those comics I mean I grew up reading that stuff and I and I respect that genre a lot uh, but I just never thought it was something a viable sure. path for me so I didn't even try to get work with superhero comics Marvel or DC it was never on my radar and I was very happy doing you know my independent comics and, sure. and working a day job yeah. uh, but I think you know uh, just by doing that and doing it my own way and not worrying about trying to uh, shape my style a certain way to yeah. like, get work or whatever I really developed a strong voice and then that ended up serving me well and you know ironically making me uh, a, an attractive sort of writer to, to yeah. those bigger companies because I could bring a unique voice to them so I kind of worked my way into that side of things uh, almost by happenstance you know uh, and now I'm. I feel pretty privileged that I can still do stuff like Essex County. You know, I just finished another graphic novel that oh, I've wow. spent two years yeah. drawing and just took my time with because you know I, I'm making a living writing. Uh, you know, the X Men and, sure. and and loving doing that just as much. To be honest, like I love. You know, people think you know your independent works what you really love and superhero yeah. stuff is just what you do for money, but it's not really the case at all. Like, I, like the auteur, the um, uh, uh, what's that? The um, the the Cassavetes model, <laughs> yeah, but I, I honestly I love and I love doing both just yeah. as much, and I, I put as much of myself into into the superhero stuff as I do this stuff. It's just different, you know, and I'm really lucky to be able to do both. I feel, you know, it's living living my dream really. So, do, do you are you the kind of person that needs to 
be doing a lot of completely different things in order to... I guess so, yeah. yeah. I didn't know. I always thought that I was the kind of person that could just do one thing and focus solely on that and not do anything else, but it's... I've proven myself wrong because now I... You know, I'm writing five or six books and yeah. drawing one, and they're all different. Some of them are more independent, you know, flavored stuff like Descender and stuff I'm doing at Image, and then, uh, you know, I'm writing the X-Men, and it's, like, all over the place. But So I guess I really do like to jump around and keep, yeah. keep everything fresh that way. Yeah. How did the superhero thing come about? I mean, obviously, you know, you had success with Essex County, but it was success in this, you know, we're kind of in this triangle yeah. right here with, you know, Fantagraphics are on a quarterly and top shelf in that, that specific world. Yeah. Um, it seems almost like it was kind of a, you know, perfect storm of, you know, you were at the right place at the, at the right time and they were starting to kind of look out outside of the superhero world for talent. Yeah, I think so. You know, I... It was kind of incremental where I did things like Essex County and then that led to, you know, the success of those books, the critical success sort of caught the attention of, uh, I guess it was Bob Shrek. He was working at DC at the time. Uh, So I really owe a lot to Bob and Bob was looking for things for Vertigo that were a little little different, you know, so I did a graphic novel for them. Uh, And then that led to Sweet Tooth and then Sweet Tooth kind of caught the attention of yeah. People like Jeff Johns and Dan DiDio yeah. at DC, and it, so it's just like one little thing led to another. It was not something I ever could have. Yeah. If, I, if I tried to plot that career path, you know, it's impossible. It just just happened. But yeah, I mean, you know, what's what's what what impresses me about it is, you know, I think that every single indie car- cartoonist, whether they're willing to admit it or not, kind of harbors a secret fantasy to do superheroes in some way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but 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 and, and you know we, we've seen we've seen you know people do short runs, you know, like. Like, like Peter Bag, for example, to the Spider-Man thing, but it seems like they're content to just play around with it for a little while and yeah. then have that be a thing that they tried. But you, you're committed. Yeah, I, I am. I, I guess it just comes down to that mutual respect. I, I, I yeah. really do respect superhero comics and and working in that shared universe and doing those bigger, more bombastic stories. I, it, it just flexes a different muscle, and I really enjoy it. And and then I, you know, I need to do my other stuff like Essex County too. And I don't know, yeah, I don't know if I'm even answering your question, but yeah, I yeah, just, yeah, I guess I just love it. I just love doing both. I genu- genuinely love yeah. the the medium so much. And I, I think you know, there can be great indie comics and bad indie comics, and sure. great superhero comics sure. and bad superhero comics. And if I, to me, it just comes down to a love of comics and wanting to do all kinds of different stuff as yeah. much as I can. And it's all I ever want to do is just sit down and work. So it's just I need a lot of stuff to do. That's it. You you got a good work ethic, which is not everybody not everybody in this world can say, which is nice. Which is yeah, I think a, a big part of the reason why you're keeping busy. Is it how much how much freedom do you have at this point when you're working with the the larger companies and the and the big properties? It's pretty good, you know. Yeah. I think people would would presume that I have a lot less than I do. You know, yeah. uh, those people hire you for a reason. They want you to. They hire you because they like what you do, and they want you yeah. to use your voice on their properties, you know, and, and they respect that. So, you know, obviously when you take any job, there are certain parameters you're sure. working within, but I think if you know those going in and don't have unrealistic expectations, yeah. like I know there are certain things I can't do with Wolverine, you know, yeah. and I don't yeah. try to do them, you know. Yeah. So I, you, you kind of look at the rules, you look at the guidelines, you look at the universe you're working in, and then within that, you have a lot, really do have a lot of freedom to bring your voice to it if... Uh, so yeah, there's not a lot of, you know, they want me to be me. They want me to bring yeah. my my voice to the stuff. So it's pretty have, good. Have you had any instances where there was something completely crazy that you wanted to do that they weren't? I mean, 
Yeah, you know, you don't often get that stuff. You yeah. know, they don't really inhibit your imagination yeah. like that. You know, uh, I think sometimes the worst thing you can do is you kind of edit yourself. You're like, oh, they'll never let me do that, sure. and so you don't even try. Uh, but yeah, you know, they're pretty open. You know, there hasn't been anything really crazy. But then again, it's like I don't go in there it's like yeah with unrealistic kind of like you know I'm gonna do something complete. You know. I want to respect the characters and their history, and not do something wildly sure. out of character sure. with them. It, you might as well so. not be not be working with the character. At yeah, that point, I right? could do that on my own stuff. Yeah. So you know, I'm not going to do something completely insane to like Wolverine or something that's yeah. completely out of character and is going to destroy it and break it for them. Sure. You know, I have no sure. interest in doing that. So. <laughs> so, so you're you're working on the Hawkeye book now, right? Yeah, I'm doing Hawkeye, uh, and they just announced that I'm I'm going to be writing the new flagship X Men book okay. with Umberto yeah. Ramos's yeah. drawing. Wow. Uh, and then I'm doing a book called Old Man Logan, which is sort of uh, yeah. bringing Mark Millar's classic Wolverine yeah. story into the regular Marvel Universe. So I'm doing that with Andrea Sorrentino, who I did Green Arrow with. I love working with that guy. A lot of it, too, comes down to you find certain artists in the you know the mainstream comics world that you really click with, and then you just want yeah. to work with them. So I, I always wanted to do something with Andrea, and so that was a good opportunity. So, yeah, I got three Marvel books, and uh, doing a bloodshot at Valiant. And uh, and then my image stuff. So it's 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 funny how, how uh, you know once like writers specifically get to a certain point, they just kind of just start collecting titles. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I turn down too. You know, yeah. And I don't just grab everything, but you try to find the right fit for you and stuff that you actually have. You're excited to tell stories about. Sure. So uh, what's what what's the process? You know, let's take um, Hawkeye for example. What's what's the process? Because that's. That's a really interesting character in that, you know, he's somebody who obviously has sort of come to prominence, prominence, you know, in the past, like, five or six years because of the movies. But before that, people weren't paying a lot of attention to him. When when you get... It sounds like you're at a point now where you're getting the offers from Marvel versus the other way around. Um, what What's the pitch process like? Do you come to them with, like, a general storyline? Yeah, well, I mean... I'm at the point where I'm not pitching blindly okay. pitching on things against other people or whatever. I, yeah. They're asking me specifically to do a project. And yeah. So I'm not trying to get the job. I, they're giving it sure. to me, which is nice. And then you, you kind of, from there, that allows you to kind of work from a place of confidence where you're not, you know, you're not competing against other yeah, people, yeah. you know. They, they want me to do my thing. So, you know, with Hawkeye, uh, you know, you get off, you get, you just you'll have conversations with them and they'll mention different titles. That, and Hawkeye was one they mentioned and, at first, I didn't have a lot of interest in it because yeah. uh, Matt Fraction and David Aha sure. had done such a uh, such a specific take on that character that was yeah. so beloved that I felt like trying to follow it was a mistake, you know. Yeah. Um, so I said no, but and it's just, it just comes down to you end up having a story you want to tell, and then you know over the next couple of days after I said no, I started you can't stop thinking about what you That's might do, and yeah. then you you get yeah. an idea for a story that you just want to tell. So I just you know so I just. You know, I wrote a two-page pitch of the story I would tell with Hawkeye and sent it in, and they loved it. Yeah. And then I just, now I'm just doing it. It's, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Would you, you know, are, are, would you prefer working with, um, I mean, is, is it better working with a more prominent character, you know, or, or a character where people, I mean, I, I guess, it's, again, it's changed with Hawkeye, but a character where people have less in the way of expectations it's easier yeah. yeah i mean do stuff like animal man or green arrow yeah. or hawkeye it's like those characters Although animal, yeah, even animal man it's like yeah Grant Morrison. he did but they, there was such a there's like a 20-year gap yeah, almost there you know that's so fair. it was a, it wasn't quite the same yeah. of like directly following fraction on yeah um it's not so much yeah i mean the x-men is it's already crazy like those fans like those characters are so beloved and those yeah. fans are so rabid yeah. yeah of course god bless them but they and they all 
know how they want the X-Men to yeah. be. They, and they all have a different idea of what the X-Men should be. Sure. And you cannot possibly please any all of them. Sure. So you just got to do your thing and yeah. shut all that out, you know, or else you're doomed. Because if you start listening to the, the internet and the message boards and what they want, what, it, everyone wants something different. You can't yeah. please them all. So you just got to do your take on the X-Men. And some people will love it. Some people will hate it, you know. I think a lot of writers get trapped... Uh, going online too much reading reviews reading message boards reading their twitter comments and yeah it can really mess with your head and then you end up trying to craft your story for this imaginary audience instead of just telling the story you wanted to tell in the first place and that's ter- that's a really dangerous thing about social media and stuff your, your key to success is just like just put your head down oh yeah just do I, do what you're good at doing i don't go to a lot of conventions i don't go online i use twitter to promote my material but i yeah. never engage with anything and that's not out of any disrespect for those fans, but it's just not something that is yeah. going to help me in any way creatively. And yeah, I just do I do my stuff the way I want to do it. And <laughs> well, the, I mean, the X Men the X Men are uh, you know uh, obviously there are expectations, but the nice thing about working on a book like that is that there are you know it seems to be like nine other X Men books going at any one time. So there's potentially something for everyone. It's not yeah. entirely on you to create yeah. the thing that pleases everybody. A little bit, but it's different. I'm doing like the flagship book, so yeah. I think what I do kind of sets the tone for the whole okay. line. So it, there is a bit more yeah, interesting. pressure in that way, but um, you know, those are great characters with a really yeah. great history and it's so rich and there's so much to, to do with them still. You know, it's fun. Are, yeah. are you are you do you communicate a lot with the other writers working on the other Yeah, books? you have to on those yeah. things, yeah. And that's the fun, though, because there are a lot of... I, I always respect those guys, sure. and it's fun to... When I mean, you're doing stuff like Essex County, you're, yeah. you're at a desk by yourself, and, you, don't, yeah. you yeah. know, it's a very insular, solitary exercise, so it's a nice balance to be able to do that for a few hours each day and then, you know, get on the phone and talk to the other writers yeah. and, and jam on ideas and stuff. It's, it's as good. Far, so you're actually, like, just collaborating on kind of larger storyline ideas? Oh, yeah, you have to. You know, we, yeah. we have summits at Marvel where we'll all go down. There'll be, like, the four X-Men writers and, and we, we're, like, planning stuff out a year and a half ahead of time, you know, and work it towards it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah you have to do it that way. The, the team, I, I've got to imagine that the, the, the team books are harder to write than... Really hard, yeah. yeah. I, I've, I haven't had a lot of success so far. I mean... My best, the best mainstream stuff I've done have been solo character yeah. by titles like Animal Man, Green Arrow, yeah. and uh, I think Hawkeye. You know, where I can just drill down on one character and really yeah. tell one story. Uh, and then, you know, I've done a couple of team books at DC before this that were, I think, mediocre. You know, and, and I tried, but they're they're tough, man. What, why why were they mediocre? What, I, what was the I problem? Just, uh, I think you get too caught up in plot and you don't focus on yeah. characters enough. And it's oh, like, interesting. It's, okay. it's just. You're juggling so many different characters. Yeah. It's hard to give them each a story. And, sure, uh, yeah. but the good the good thing about failing like that is that you learn a lot. And I could take everything I did wrong in those books yeah. and, and work to correct it on the X Men. You know, I feel like those were just. I'm glad I had those jobs because they were like prep work for doing the X Men and hopefully doing it right now. Yeah, and that, and this time hopefully doing a team book right because I think I learned it. A lot about what not to do, and, uh, and I took all that with me. So, what 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 is what what's the right approach? I mean, what 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 is working for you at this point as far as writing a team book, and as yeah. far as like splitting up the time I mean, and these stories? And it's uh, it all sounds very simple when you say it, but when oh you're, no, no, I, I imagine it would be when you're, too, It's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, it, it's like hindsight, right? But yeah. really, it just comes down to approaching it approaching it from character first instead of plot first and yeah i think a lot of times with the no, team books you're like yeah. they're fighting this guy and then they have to get here they have to get here and it's sure. all plot driven and then you intersperse character moments yeah, you know? yeah yeah and that's such a mistake you know interspersing those character moments yeah. quote unquote it's like the whole book should be a character moment you intersperse the action yeah and the action should only re- it's only 
action is only ever good if it's revealing something about the characters, you know. Sure. And it's just approaching it from totally different proofs. So, so instead of when I took the X Men job, instead of sitting down and coming up with plots and story ideas, I didn't even worry about that. I just sat. I spent like a week with each character. And I just focused on the character and what makes them tick and what kind of stories I could yeah. tell yeah. and where they would go. And I had all these character arcs built. And then I started thinking about what stories to do. And I just completely reversed my process. And it, I think it's and that will show on the page for sure. Wh- who, yeah. Who's on the team right now that you're working with? Uh, I got to cherry pick. It was pretty fun. I got uh, <laughs> so I got uh, old man Logan. Yeah. And a teenage Jean Grey, which completely flips the old dynamic, yeah. that love affair that they used to have, is now completely twisted into yeah. this father-daughter kind of protective. Yeah, but he's, you know, it's, it's funny because he's always had that weird relationship with, like, teenage girls. He does. He's always been this protective, like, it, from Kitty big Cry, brother, Jubilee. Jubilee. Yeah. So we have kind of that thing with him and Jean, which is super it's, fun. Uh, and then uh, Storm is the leader of the team. She's, I think she's a great character, yeah. and she's always been kind of overshadowed by... We're such geeks talking about the X Men right now. No, this, um, we're, we're in we're in the right place. Yeah, well, actually, uh, we're in the one wrong place in the right Cyclops place. Cyclops has always been like the alpha. X, yeah, 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 yeah. He's always he's the leader. Yeah, you know, no matter what's going on and circumstances that are going on in the Marvel continuity now, yeah. Cyclops has kind of been taken off the table for a bit. Yeah, which has allowed me to finally let Storm really really take the reins. You know, without it, it, having to compete with someone else for leadership or you yeah. know. So that's great. Um, and then you kind of got all my my favorite characters like uh, Nightcrawler, Colossus. Magic, um, yeah, and Iceman. So yeah, it's a fun team. It, it's it's funny. I was I just uh, I talked to Mark Wade yesterday. He's doing the Archie book. Yeah, and I I hadn't really thought about it this way, but it makes a lot of sense. You know, when he said because he had to do something similar, but even more so, where he had to take these really really iconic characters and kind of reinvent them in a way. And he said that ultimately the hardest character to wrap his brain around was Archie because Archie, in a way, is kind of like the absence you know everybody everybody has these defining traits yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody is sort of defined by how they're not archie and I, it, cyclops is kind of yeah the archie of the x-men i guess right? he is yeah yeah who's jackhead though <laughs> is wolverine jackhead i don't know uh yeah nightcrawler maybe? emma and gene are betty and veronica <laughs> that's fair yeah, yeah wow this conversation yeah is super geeky i love it but <laughs> No, but I mean, you know, it's it's. I, I mean, that's why it, that's why it's. I imagine it would be a lot more fun to work with those other characters because it's they super have like, fun, man. You know, I'm like uh, Captain America is walking by as we're speak as we're speaking, and I think Captain America is very similar. I couldn't imagine trying to write Captain America because I. What is Captain America other yeah. than just this perfect walking symbol? And yeah, the, yeah, yeah. It, those characters can be tough, you know, like Superman, Captain America, yeah, exactly. Cyclops. He's kind of like. Those those are the tough ones. Yeah. yeah, they're better in team books for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I yeah I was thinking about this earlier. I'm going to talk to to Jaime late, later today, and you know, and I was I was reading an interview with him where he was saying that um, it's just much easier for him to write female characters, which is you know usually the flip of of what you hear. Um, is it has it ever is, is it more difficult for you to write for female characters? I don't even think about it that way. I just okay. write the character. I, yeah. I don't think there's. I never think I have to write female character now. I have to. Well, know, I guess. I, uh, I yeah, I may, I'm asking that from the standpoint of like, you know, um, it's the sort of thing where if, if people feel like a man writing a female, a male writing a female character is disingenuous, then they'll well, I mean, 
you can go down that rabbit hole. And, yeah, yeah. And all I should write is uh, white guys from Toronto sure. who like to play yeah. hockey and nothing else, you know. Like, yeah. Being a writer is taking on different voices and, and exploring sure. people and learning more about people by writing different kinds of people. Yeah. And if I only wrote myself all the time, it's yeah. pretty limited. Yeah. <laughs> it would all be a small town in, in Canada. Yeah, which I do anyway, by <laughs> yeah. the way. But, yeah, and yeah, you got you to gotta try to write different voices and different people that aren't you or, you know. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's you know, the, the idea of... And you're probably at this point now. This might have been more difficult early on. I imagine that when you first start writing superhero comics, you you are kind of thinking about characters in terms of superpowers, right? And in terms of the way it fits in with the team, and in yeah. terms of the way that they like battle people. But like all of, especially with the X Men, they've all got such interesting backstories. Especially with a character like Storm, who like kind of was a princess in Africa. I mean, yeah. that's a lot of interesting backstory that yeah, you're trying to the write in. X-Men are so rich. I mean, they've always... It's like It goes back to what I said. It's always been a character-driven book first. Yeah. You know, so they already have these rich histories. A lot of times you get these characters um, that are so ill-defined and they... It's like, yeah. you know, they're just these like kind of templates and whoever, whatever writer yeah. takes them, they just kind of... Yeah, yeah. But the X-Men are already so established. Yeah. You, you really do have to work with that history, but... Um, but that also, there's just so much to work with. It's good. It's yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Was was does, does Hawkeye feel like kind of a blank template in a sense? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Matt Fraction really did a lot of work with the characters, yeah. so you don't want to completely contradict everything he did. Sure. You want it to feel like the same guy. Yeah. But I also want to bring my own thing to it. You know. So uh, a lot of these characters. Are, you get them and they're like templates, you know. You can yeah. just kind of <laughs> yeah. insert your will on them. Yeah. The X Men's a little different. Yeah. Um, as as somebody who doesn't read a ton of, of, of superhero books, you know, I I didn't I didn't read his run on Hawkeye. Like, who, who is Hawkeye at this point? Oh, it's it's Clint. Well, there's two Hawkeyes. Uh, yeah. It's Clint Barton and Kate Bishop. And, I mean, not literally, but like oh. the the Hawkeye. They, I thought you were asking. Fair enough. Continuity questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not going that deep. Okay. No, no. I, um, what defines the character of Hawkeye? Uh. Yeah, well, I mean, there's like, well, there is two Hawkeyes, yeah, so they're okay. each different. But uh, you're writing one, or you're writing both. No, they're both. You're the writing book, both. Oh, yeah, they God, both. That's horribly yeah, confusing. It's both of them. So the, the the kind of the fun of the book is yeah. their relationship to one another okay. is really what I'm writing. And, yeah, you know, Kate Bishop's this like young privileged girl who grew up in wealth, and she's kind of taken the mantle of Hawkeye, and and uh, and you know, for her, I think it's. Clint, so Clint Barton, the other hot guy, has always been this guy who just keeps failing and keeps fucking up and doesn't let people get close yeah. to him. And uh, he has this sort of damaged history. And, and she's kind of the opposite. And she just... So it's the, for really, that book's a relationship book between those two. It's yeah. not about one or the other. It's uh, interesting. <clears throat> Do you... You know, obviously a, a book like X-Men is, is very much couched in the 60s and in the, in the civil rights movement where it came from. And there's a lot of allegory there. I mean, is there... Yeah. Do you feel like there's still that opportunity, especially now, especially, you know, this is, you know, John Lewis is coming by, and this is, like, all this is really at the forefront of, uh, you know, just, like, the politics and, and all the conversations we've having given, given what's been happening over the past yeah. year. Um, uh, not that it's not always been there, but obviously we've, we've been, you know, forced to think a lot more about it. Is there still that opportunity to use the, I don't want to use the word cipher, but to, to use these... Uh, these archetypes to kind of tell that social story? Absolutely. I mean, the X-Men have have always been a metaphor for the outsiders, whatever that means, you know, and if that means race relations in America or, or, you know, from my point of view, you know, I'm very interested right now in uh, 
some of the politics going on in Canada with our First Nations and our Native people. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, so the X-Men are all, have always been that, a metaphor yeah. for those stories. And, and I, don't, I think they're just as relevant now, obviously, as they were in the 60s. Uh, it's, if anything, it's a more complicated issue now than it was in the 60s yeah. because the world... Everyone's so much closer to one another, you know, yeah, yeah. all over the world and in America. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I guess just the yeah. short answer is yes. They're they're still a very valid uh, metaphor for I think what's going on. Is is Iceman gay in your continuity? Yeah, he is. Okay, yeah. okay. Yes. Yeah. Is it you know t- you run the risk in especially in superhero comics of, of introducing like. A token character. Oh yeah, it's so easy know. to and there's do been, it wrong. Yeah, yeah, and and there's been a long history, especially with like gay characters that have been in, yeah introduced. Um, how do you how do you write a character like that and not have the sexuality be as defining as the fact that he shoots ice from his hands? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just comes down to writing him like a complete three dimensional person yeah. and and not have him running around and every other panel saying I'm gay, I'm gay. Yeah, you yeah. know, like you know he. You just you just write you write, I write him like I write all the other characters. He's very yeah. complicated. He's got multi, multiple things going on at any time. Sure, and sexuality is one of those, but yeah. it's not it's not the only thing going on. And yeah. you, you just try to make a you try to make them all real people and, and yeah. just not make them token and not make them cliched. Yeah, you know versions of whatever. If it, whether it's a racial type or a you know some sexuality or whatever, and I don't know. You just you, you have to always be very conscious of it. That's for sure. Yeah, something you have to be very aware of. You know, because it can be because he's going to be he's going to be an important character for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to tarnish that. You don't want to misrepresent people. You don't want to yeah belittle it in any way. You yeah. want to be very respectful, but at the same time, you don't want it to be. Uh, the only thing the character's about sure because then it gets pretty boring because he's got, he's got a lot going on yeah. it's not just his sexuality you know? yeah oh, it, it's, I, I, I would think that the hardest thing at this point um, about writing these books is to not go in too far into one direction of, of being sort of the, the cliche superhero books but also not being too navel-gazy yeah <laughs> there's, there's, there's a balance yeah, yeah. you still gotta have them punching bad guys once in a while yeah know? exactly right <laughs> I mean there still has to be fights but you know those when they're punching the bad guy it's gotta be revealing something new about them as a character yeah. it can't just be them punching a bad guy so that the plot advances yeah. to here you know and I've had that I've made that mistake in the past so. is it you know, I, I know I know you're also an artist but since you're you know writing writing these books and not not drawing them I mean, is it is it fun to write a fight scene uh, they're they're usually the least interesting. Oh, really? yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they, I think they've yeah. only been they've only been boring to me because I haven't been doing the right. You know, I feel yeah. like I, I kind of had a turning point with the X Men where I had to look at that and say, why are these so boring to write? Yeah, if I'm, they're boring to write, they're gonna be boring to read. And why were they boring to write? Because it, it was all advancing plot. Yeah, I, this guy's punching this guy so that I can move the plot here, and then they can do this. Yeah. it was never about Storm struggling with this person, but it's really about Storm struggling yeah. with the mantle she's taken on and, and protecting the people around her and, and what that means to her at that moment and so you have to approach it as a character moment and not an action moment and then it becomes more interesting do you do you miss do you miss drawing when you're working on those books no because i draw my my monday to friday nine you know 8 a.m to 4 p.m is still i draw okay. I, I don't write yeah so well, I, how do you have time i don't know how do you have time to write <laughs> nine books i write them on a night and on the really? weekend yeah okay yeah yeah we're, we're wrapping yeah, we got to wrap it up. Yeah, so. I think I think we're about yeah. done. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. So I guess since I only have time for one more question anyway, a uh, little bit of a cliche one, but you know, in in those worlds, 
dream character. I mean, obviously, you're writing the X-Men. I don't know if it gets any better than that, but yeah. is there anybody left? No, and often, you know, the, your dream characters end up being way more difficult to write because yep. you bring all your favorite stories with you, and, and you and you can't do your own stuff. Yep. You know, I, Characters I couldn't care less about, like Bloodshot or Green Arrow, I end up having more success with because yep. I'm not bringing all those favorite stories of mine yeah. and trying to recreate them, yeah. you know, so, yeah. There you go, Jeff Lemire, Jeffrey Brown, Kate Beaton. I should mention that the Kate Beaton conversation did not actually happen at Comic-Con. She was she was not at Comic-Con. It happened at the Scholastic offices, which I had never actually been inside of before. They used to have a big bookstore out front, and I'd, I'd never actually gone into the office building. Um, kind of amazing. It's like eight stories, all of Scholastic stuff, and there's just books and stuffed animals and, and everything else you could possibly expect from the Scholastic headquarters. So uh, thanks to them for setting that one up. Uh, thanks to Jeffrey Brown for running into me in the hall. Thanks to Top Shelf for uh, for setting up the Jeff Lemire conversation. Lots, lots and lots more Comic-Con conversations coming up in the coming weeks. So uh, hope you enjoy this because there's, there's, a, there's a lot more where this came from. Uh, thanks to Brian, as always, for editing the show together. Thanks to Mark and everybody else at the Boing Boing Podcast Network. If you like this show, many other fine Boing Boing podcasts can be found over there. And while you're over at, uh, at iTunes, you should take the time to, uh, to, to rate our show as well. If you've got any feedback, it's rylcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. It's, uh, that one's rylcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all of the information pertinent to this show. Uh, what else? There's a Facebook group. You can like us over there. So many ways to interact with us. We will be back just about this time next week with another episode of RYL. RYL.